Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. It's like, which level of frustration do you want? When you hate your team, how, which way would you rather hate them? <laughs> Pete Thimmel. That should be like the subhead to our podcast. Right. <laughs> with SI's Pat Forty. Fifth in the coaches poll, sixth in the media poll is astounding. What have they done that's impressed anybody? Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. Trying to uh, broadcast this live from the Urban Meyer Pint House, <laughs> Dublin, Ohio. <laughs> I did not know the Urban Meyer Pint House had a champagne room. Did you, Pat? <laughs> I didn't know there was an Urban Meyer pint house, so I've already I've learned a lot. You know, been a, an eye opening couple of days. Stay out of that place. There's a whole bunch of dudes in Dublin, Ohio, who just like go out to watch Monday Night Football. They're like, yeah, I'm just going out with the guys to the Urban Meyer pint house, and their wife's like, oh, it sounds harmless. Yeah, <laughs> not so much. The hell's going on in the pint house? Our favorite NFL coach is uh, back in the news. It's a testament to Urban Meyer's long career that the moment video emerges of him, uh, shall we say, trying out for the all hands team uh, over the weekend. <laughs> that half the fan bases in America assume he's 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 coming to their school and this is all he's just rigging it so that he can get fired from the Jaguars. That's not easy. Let's create marital strife, perhaps. I don't know. Let's humiliate our families just to get out of a job. Uh, I don't believe that was the case. Uh, even by, like, message board geniuses standards, yeah. uh, that would be a bit much. But but there is a, there is an element that believes that, yeah. I think we now have the diagnosis for his uh, him getting dizzy and having heart ailments. <laughs> Pat, your thoughts on uh, Urban Meyer? Is this is 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 this the beginning of the end? Is he gonna is he gonna get fired in Jacksonville? Is he gonna spend a couple months as a church man, good church man, spend time with the family, and then reemerge at Thanksgiving to take over at LSU or USC or Miami or whatever job the message boards are excited about? Well, uh, it's my my favorite narcissist. Uh, yes, is putting himself back in front and center. <laughs> Taking the the ag family element out of this, because I don't think that affects his job. And I thought Charles Robinson wrote a pretty good column to that effect that like the NFL isn't exactly here to to judge moral turpitude. Uh, what <laughs> no. what what transpired was more. First of all, you put yourself in a bad position. Secondly, you just totally just ditched your team for the weekend when you're 0 and four. <laughs> 
you then you come out and when you're asked about this, of, which of course he's going to be, you lie about it, which is what Urban, you know, that's Urban's reflex reaction to many things is to just blatantly lie. So that that part uh, was very much in character. Uh, I, you know, this this is a guy that it seems to me has has yet to to like humble himself to an NFL standard like that, that. Hey, I I have proven nothing in the National Football League. I've got to shut up, put my head down, grind like an NFL guy, not like a college emperor. He was grinding. He was grinding. (laughs) (laughs) Different grind, Dan. Different grind. The the, the jokes are just too easy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I set you up for that one. Congrats. Thank me later. Yeah. (laughs) But you're 0-4 in the National Football League. It doesn't matter how many games you won at Ohio State. Doesn't matter how many you won at Florida or Utah or whatever, you're winless in the NFL. You tried to bring in, you know, college hard ass strength coach. That didn't go very well. You tried to bring in the old college hero QB as a tight end. That didn't go very well. You blew the uh the OTA requirements. That didn't go too well. I'll say this, quite frankly, like the product on the field hasn't even bothered me that much because I knew Jacksonville was going to be terrible. So the fact that they're 0-4 isn't that much of a shock. And the fact that they were in a couple of games, okay, I think there's some signs of progress. But when you're urban and every loss becomes the greatest cataclysm known to mankind, I think you just retreat back into the bunker and try to fix that so you win the next game. And this obviously didn't broadcast to his team that that was foremost on his mind. Yeah, I think uh, I think Urban Meyer summed this up the best when he just called it stupid. I mean, it was uh, there was a, a flurry of bad decisions, and it will be really interesting to see how the franchise pivots from here. Uh, Mike Silver quoted a fairly salty player today: "An NFL locker room is completely different than a college locker room, and that that is going to be an interesting minefield for Urban Meyer to navigate." When Meyer was at his best at Ohio State, Florida, Utah, he was in front of the team and he had the team on a string and it was filled with obedient, undefiant followers. And an NFL locker room just doesn't work that way. These are guys with, you know, who've lived some life and they're all in this and it, it's a business and they're, you know, there's, there's a, they know there's a finite time span for them to earn money in the National Football League. And I don't know what the dynamic was before this, and it was probably still a feeling out period, but it will be really interesting to see where it goes after this. Uh, Shad Khan's statement, I thought today was uh, was basically like, that was dumb. We addressed that it was dumb. Now go win some games. You know, like that yeah. was, it, it seemed like this is this is business. I, I agree with, with Pat and what, with what Charles said. You don't have to be some, like all these college coaches have to put themselves on some moral high ground and, you know, they have to preach all this, all the empty platitudes that they've all preached. You don't really have to do that in the NFL. You just have to figure out how to win games. You win games by having a team that's energized and connected. It's hard to imagine in the wake of this, the Jaguars are going to be energized and connected. So, and then it comes back to the question we've had about Urban for a long time. It's how will he handle the losses? Certainly doesn't seem like he's handled them great. I mean, nobody handles losses great, but this was a this was a gradual rebuild that was going to have to be pockmarked with incremental progress. And this is an incremental setback, the degree of which, you know, we'll really know when they play Tennessee this weekend and beyond. But right now, I mean, this it's 
arguably come the biggest story in uh, the biggest story in sports. And uh, it does just seem like as we sit here on Tuesday morning, it gains steam throughout the morning and gains steam and gains steam. And uh, I don't know if it's going to slow down. He, um, I think he's handling the losses well. He went out and ripped some beers and hung out with some chicks. I mean, you know, he he wants it believed that he's tortured and wakes up in the middle of the night. And um, look, it wasn't what happened. Uh, that's between him and his family. I think any player or anyone would uh, would agree with that. Who cares? I mean, this yes. is the NFL. Yeah. And this is just life. Sometimes you work with people or bosses or whatever. I mean, things happen in people's lives. I mean, this is not it's college football where we got up the coach and make it. They, they have to be the greatest leaders of all time. And that's where it gets really uncomfortable. And, you know, Urban Meyer taught a class at Ohio State about character and leadership. And you just rolled your eyes if you knew Urban Meyer. I mean, this is the guy who couldn't just say Aaron Hernandez was a problem. You had to keep doubling down on the idea that they were doing nightly Bible study together. You know, well, what part of the Bible were you looking at? Um, you know, I mean, an Old Testament K-N-A-L. only or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, just be like, look, this dude's nuts. I like if he walked in, you know, I, I go to a statement. This is I've talked to some people in the in the league and Mike Silver obviously has a very good source there and they, they unloaded. I mean, he, he says, Hey, I just apologize to the team and the staff for being a distraction. That apparently is not true. He talked to some position groups. He didn't call the team all together and, and apologize. Well, the guys sitting there go know that. So what's that, right? Uh, why didn't you fly home with the team? I mean, these guys in the NFL, they're breaking down the game immediately after the game and they spend all night. Sometimes uh, I stayed in and drove up to Columbus to, see my grandkids or see the grandkids. I guess this woman was someone's grandkid and we all go to dinner. It's like, well, we're, why are you not working? You know, like, I don't care if you're preparing ahead, if you're, you have a learning curve. And then nobody believes that they, she ne- he never met her. I, I mean, someone comes over and tries to get on a dance floor and you go, no. And they just, next thing you know, that's going on and you never met her. And, and so that that's part of the problem. And then he, he goes to the same, this is just, I think just for 30 years, Urban's just been unchecked and being able to lie because it's college football and we just let them lie. But, you know, he comes up and says, well, I told Trevor Lawrence to be careful on his bachelor party. Dude, why are you name checking Trevor Lawrence on this? I mean, there's a guy code, if nothing else. What did Trevor have to do? Don't mention my name in your apology. Trevor Lawrence has to go home and be like, <laughs> His wife may or may not. I don't know. But like, why? Why was Urban worried about your bachelor party, Trevor? <laughs> hey, how about we make some toast? <laughs> I mean, what? Now he's got to talk to his wife. I mean, what is this? <laughs> like his apology was the whole problem. The, the players in that locker room are like, this guy's got no credibility. Oh, I take losses harder than anyone. You're drinking beers days after the game and dancing with chicks in Ohio. Like all the NFL coaches we have, we never see them at bars. Right. No. You know, like it was like Rex Ryan's brother used to used to drink. uh, He'd go out after a New Orleans game, home games. He'd go to one bar and if they won and it was kind of famous and people started showing up and he'd buy everyone around his shots and they do a shot and he'd be there for an hour. Like that's crazy. Ryan brothers. Like Sean McVay single and like 33 years old. He ain't out. You'll see Cliff Kingsbury out. So it's like. Everybody flies home. This is like, I just think he's like, 
it's all of the, oh, I care more and I work harder. And it's like, no, you don't. And these guys are 25, 28, 30 years old going, give me a break. I don't know how he builds that back. So regardless, that's Jacksonville's problem. But college football will not care. He'll go back. Someone will offer him a full tenure to coach leadership and character. (laughs) So could this be the end of Urban Meyer NFL coach? Could you see him back in college football? even as soon as next year, Pat? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question. You know, I mean, we've seen several great college coaches flame out spectacularly in the NFL. Maybe not quite this fast, you know, but, (laughs) and then they come back and get a job like, you know, Spurrier, uh, Lou Holtz, if you want to go way back, you know, uh, Pete Carroll got a job, but that was, he hadn't even established himself in college yet, but it can happen for sure. And the fact that he has, multiple championship rings that he can wave in the direction of desperate ADs out there uh, would certainly be a factor. I mean, LSU, I think, is one of the most bottom line institutions in America of we just want to win, and there's a realistic chance LSU comes open. But LSU has also had some pretty messy off-the-field issues. Uh, I was talking to somebody about that today, and they thought that this would be a – that Urban might be a tough sell there. I don't know. I I still think that if – if, if your pecking order is James Franklin and Jimbo Fisher and James Franklin either stays at Penn State or goes to USC, and I don't know why Jimbo Fisher would necessarily be at the top of your pecking order, but if, if you don't get those guys, I don't think you're going to sit there and, you know, really clutch the pearls too hard about Urban Meyer at that point. But yeah, look, his name's going to be in the mix, I would think, depending how this season goes, maybe they turn it around and go six and 10 and everybody feels good about where things are going. I, I, you know, I don't anticipate that, but it would solve problems. It would. And that's, you know, that was one thing to Pete's point. The, the Shad Khan statement was, was perfect because what it said is we're not firing if don't ask. We're done with this, but we're pissed and he better win. That, that was what I took from it, which is basically what I think an owner should say in this situation, personal issue with him and his family. We didn't like it, but it's done with. We're not firing him. Let's go. And if he's good enough, he'll still be the coach. And if he won't be, see ya. I don't think Urban Meyer will coach college football ever again. That's really? just, I don't really think there's a uh, strong desire for him to return to college football at, at any juncture. And this isn't anything based on any recent conversations, just from the from the window of time where he was out. And again, I was in Jacksonville the week before the college football season started. You know, he told me this was his last job. This is just something he wanted to try. It was his last challenge. Again, the, certainly Urban Meyer's changed his mind a few times. So I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to dial in on that. I I don't think he would coach at LSU. Let's say they would or would want him. I have a hard time, Pat, thinking LSU all of a sudden found ethical Jesus. By the way, you know yeah. <laughs> that's that's another that's another uh, you know that's another. I mean, Will Wade's still their basketball coach, so it's a tough you know. sell, but it'll uh, be sold. It's a tough <laughs> sell, but it not really. Yeah, say it, yeah, yeah. When, when Scott Woodward gets up there and says the foundation of our next coach is going to be integrity, <laughs> be like, if you look in the basketball office the last like four <laughs> years, who knows how this lasts? You know, long this lasts for Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. It could be weeks, could be months, could be years. I don't foresee him trying to to microwave uh, another college situation. Again, not based on any, any recent conversations within the last weeks, but that's just been the the general feel from him since Ohio State ended a couple years back. So I'm not just, saying I'm not yeah. completely ruling it out. I'm not saying it's an impossible scenario because 
he is a coach of the caliber. You can never underestimate the ego of any coach, especially one who's wired the way he is and has been that successful. And it would certainly haunt somebody like that to, to go out in a way if the NFL doesn't work out. Somebody who's never lost for them to be remembered as a loser may may be something that is uh, that, that is a little bit tortured. But he's I also, certainly, I'd be only- stunned. I'll say this, Dan, I, I'd be stunned if he was a college football coach next year. I mean, just stunned. I agree with that. I just He would have had to get fired today. And then, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of things that have to, would have to happen and, you know, family-wise and things like that. He's only 57. That's, the, that's really the thing. Look, to me, when I look at that video and I see a guy who, who doesn't fly home with the team, who goes, drives all the way to Columbus to supposedly see his grandkids, I'm sure he did, but then is out... Like he could have flown home and he's, he's got a lot of money. He can fly up and back for dinner. It's not that far. I see a guy who wants to hang out at his bar as the old coach in town and enjoy himself. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like he's got tons of money. He's got tons of titles. And being the old coach in Columbus would be pretty fun. Play some golf and hang out and do that. That's what I saw. I didn't see any burning desire to win in the NFL. And that's, I think, where his issue is. Uh, I covered the Patriots game on Sunday night and and Tom Brady had a line after he met with Bill Belichick. And, you know, they obviously had had a, a, a contentious relationship, but you could see it thawing even in the comments. And Tom said, you know, the one thing you want as a player is knowing your coach gave every single thing he had to win. And I knew I had that. And I think my coach wants the same out of the player. And so no matter how fractured their relationship got, I thought it was a very telling line is they could go back to that one moment of like, you know what? The two of us went at this thing 1,000%. And so I think if you're the players, you're, you're looking and saying, I don't know. And I'm not even sure if you're a college AD, you'd look and go, you know, what's he doing? But he looked to me like a guy who wanted to hang out at the bar and, and enjoy being the coach. And that's, that's fine. He's, he's earned that. But can he do that for 15 more years? I don't know. He's young. He's not that old. So very interesting. Let's get to these possibilities, though. Pete, you wrote about LSU and the situation at LSU. The loss to Auburn the other night. It's funny, you know, there's there a lot of self-inflicted wounds there. I think when you're LSU, there's not a ton of faith. Coach O, you can live with losing to Alabama, but when you're losing to Auburn, they're going to go up to Kentucky this weekend as the, as the underdog. How many get, how, how far can this sink to where LSU fans are, are, are willing to give it one more year? You know, it's not it's not trending well. I give I give Co- Coach O. It's funny he he gets no credit for having Burrow and and Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, but he did hire Joe Brady and he did get Joe Burrow. So I give him some credit for that. But those guys yeah. are gone now. Mm-hmm. Pete, what what do you think's next at LSU? I mean, is 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 he going to survive this year? And I, I I ask you that knowing that you don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, wins and loss were sure. Uh, I was I was at LSU for the uh, Auburn game on uh, on on Saturday night. Boy, it just felt like a place that was like bracing for change. Just even w- walking out of the press box at two a.m. and looking at the LSU athletics officials, they just looked like they'd been pulverized. Like they they just had a look on their face, like it's late. I'm tired, and the next eight weeks are going to suck. That was just kind of the 
the the the vibe there. You could sense the the frustration in the stadium for an offensive system that just isn't working, hasn't worked, can't get a snap off, burnt timeouts like that is there is just an undercurrent of, of frustration. It just feels like this thing is 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 winding down to an end. I didn't see a lot. I mean, they can't run the ball. They have the third worst rushing offense in in all of college football, which is crazy to think an offense that has been like a one hammer, one dimensional, you know, for so many of the last 15 years, other than the the Brady Burrow year, all of a sudden now is just completely one dimensional and passing the ball and can't run by it's it's a one of the weirder plot twists of you know of a of a program's reputation that i've seen but they uh they go to kentucky this week they're underdogs they're home against florida then they go to oxford and tuscaloosa the, the next two weeks and they'll be big underdogs in in those games and i don't see a path out of this for ed orgeron i don't see a path out of it for a pretty pedestrian defense um, Stingley was hurt the other night, which obviously changes the way they, can, they do things. And, you know, I just don't see a path out of this for Ed Orgeron. I wrote in my column on, on Yahoo, Scott Woodward, the AD there. He's a big game hunter. He is not a Walmart shopper. It is a natural instinct for every athletic director, no matter how good the coach is, they inherit to want to have their own guy there. That is inherent to the ego of every athletic director. Scott Woodward hired Chris Peterson at Washington. He hired Buzz Williams at Texas A&M. He obviously gave Jimbo Fisher that historic $75 million deal that costs him nothing to walk away at Texas A&M. And he hired Kim Mulkey. I mean, three-time national championship winning basketball coach from Baylor over to LSU. Scott Woodward doesn't mess around. He he goes with high-priced, low-risk hires. I just think that there would be, certainly they'd, they'd say all the right things in the press conference, but I don't think if this decision is close come the end of the season, there's going to be a lot of sentimentality toward Ed Orgeron. Because what you're going to do is, once you fire a set of coordinators and you hire new ones, eventually you got to point the finger at the coach. We talked about this a little bit with Clay Helton earlier in the year. And the, the the finger is being pointed at Orgeron. And it's almost, there's almost an air of inevitability that this thing is going to continue to unwind at, at LSU. I don't see a lot of paths out. You know, I mean, it may well end up that way. But right now they're three and two with, in my mind, five toss-up games remaining, okay? You're not going to beat Alabama. You are going to beat Louisiana Monroe. So you're four and three, and then you've got five toss-ups, Kentucky, Florida, in in Baton Rouge, at Mississippi, Arkansas, A&M. What if they win all five? He's nine and three. You're going to fire Ed Orgeron nine and three if you've won that many games against ranked teams? I, I They may be... Maybe they won't win that many, but until the the cake bakes a little bit more, I just I have a hard time getting to the point of like, ah, it's over. Again, it may well end up being over. We may know that by the end of October because this stretch is really big here. Kentucky, Florida, Mississippi. And then you'd be having a week off and going into Alabama. And if you've lost all of those, it's it is over, brother. I, you know, I, we'll see how it plays out. They they're not good. They're not a good team. I had in the dash here, uh, getting back to, you know, you're only as good as your coordinators. LSU's yards per play the last four years, 5.5, 7.9, 5.5, 5.6. Guess which was the year that they had Brady and Burrow? Oh, that was the 7.9 was, you know, the total outlier there. When they don't have extraordinary staff or an extraordinary quarterback, you get what you get. Uh, So again, I'm not saying it's going to this will turn out to be a nine and three season, but I think until we get through the next three games, uh, I, it's still very much TBD to me. Les Miles' last full season, what was his record? 
his last full season. Nine and three. Yes, he was nine and three. And then he went two and two and lost like, you know, in a coin flip over time, you know, wacky quintessential Les Miles game. So I'll upset, I, I don't think they're going to go nine and three. The reason I wrote the column that I did was because I thought there was a little bit of hopelessness there. And uh, I, I could just sense the, the the tide turning. But I mean, I don't want to say eight and four, it's over because there's a lot of variables. But like there's a, they're, they're not going to have, uh, it just doesn't seem like there's a sense around that program when you talk to people that there's a lot of patience left. He better turn it around now. <laughs> so yes. it. Yeah, I agree. Yes. If he goes six and one the rest of the way, sure. Yeah, it's a pretty narrow path. That was the point of my call. It's a pretty narrow. The two teams they lost to are dead average. UCLA, you know, we always, we love talking about Chip on here. They're not that good. They're just not that good. There's no other way to say it. And, uh, and Auburn is not good. Auburn barely beat Georgia State. Now they won by 10, but they needed to come back in the final minute with a backup quarterback to beat Georgia State. So I just think like that, that is what, makes me portend that the, the next month is going to get pretty grisly for LSU. Let's move a little bit to the West. Now, they cannot fire Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M because he is currently under contract through 2031. His $9 million a year salary bump to that isn't even until next year. <laughs> he gets $9 million in 2022, 9.15 in 2023, and a hundred grand raise every year after that. So they have got Jimbo. However, Right now, Jimbo's first uh, three-something years look exactly like Kevin Sumlin's three-something years, except nobody won the Heisman Trophy and Johnny Manziel wasn't there to be the, build that excitement. And they haven't beaten Alabama like, like Sumlin they not did. Be- they get Alabama coming up. They do. So we'll see. Jimbo Fisher has won a national title. We've all wondered why A&M has never, not what, they win it in like 1950? Is that with Bear Maybe. Bryant? I mean, yeah, I they might have. Uh, they might have claimed a laundromat one somewhere along I, the way. I, I think we all know my opinion on the pre-integration college football <laughs> national championships. I'm pretty sure Jackson State would have kicked their ass. No offense to the members of the 50 Aggies. 39, 39 Aggies, Dan. 39 Aggies. All right. Well, if you're if you're still kicking, my tip my hat to you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I mean, this team just doesn't look good at all. You know, this was supposed to be the big year. I don't think they're going to finish last in the SEC West. I think they're going to get something going, but there should be too much talent for this. Isn't that correct, Pat? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, they lost a bunch of dudes from last year's 9-1 and team, including a four-year starting quarterback, but the entire vibe from A&M was... No, we've got this thing built to the point where we're going to be, we're going to continue. You know, that's going to be the norm now. We're going to be, at worst, the second best team in the West, and we aspire to be the best team in the West. That's not the case. I mean, they they are they are a bad team so far. This is this is not a good team. Their offense is dreadful. They did have their starting quarterback Haynes King did get hurt, but I mean, Jimbo Fisher, quarterback whisperer, that's part of his whole deal. And Zach Calzada has not been able to get it done. And you look at what they've put on the board, 10 points against Colorado, 10 points against Arkansas, 22 against Mississippi State. Those are their three games against Power 5 teams. That's that's really weak. And you've got Alabama coming up. Now, after Alabama, you can this is the thing, is, is we're going to see what the pecking order is really going to shake out to be in the West. Because I, I think everybody's going to lose multiple games probably when AM, LSU, Auburn, 
and Arkansas and Mississippi all start playing each other. Everybody's going to lose to Alabama, and then so they're just going to take turns knocking each other off, which is going to kind of drive down. It'll be a competitive but muddled division after the Crimson Tide. So, you know, I, I, I this is just – this is not what – we were figuring they were going to pay $93 million for, for Jimbo is to be, to end up in a, in a muddle somewhere, you know, around maybe eight and four or maybe worse. So I read what you, uh, what you wrote in the dash today about Jimbo. I mean, they finished fifth last year. Like that, that, that that's like not terrible, right? Like that's sort of where you, where you want to be. They have certainly regressed. Uh, I maybe have given him more of a mental mulligan because the, the, the drop off in quarterback, you know, has been pretty significant. I've been disappointed their offensive line hasn't sort of come along a little bit. You know, the, these are supposed to be these great recruits you're you're getting. That position needs to develop some. They, they, he obviously left a bad offensive line at Florida State that still hasn't gotten good, you know, eight years later or whatever the heck it is. So not eight years, but five, six years later, something like that. So I, I'm certainly not ready to, you know, sell the city of Houston to Venezuela to pay off the rest of Jimbo's buyout because that's what it would actually take in the state of Texas to afford the uh, the, the rest of the money that they owe him on the contract. But uh, yeah, they, I can understand a little bit of discontent with this season. I mean, this week was supposed to be Texas A&M's big moment. This was supposed to be what they were building for as a program. They are kind of an afterthought this weekend when it when it all comes down to it and people aren't giving them too much of a chance against, against Alabama. I actually think that they'll be able to slow down Alabama a little bit. I don't think this Alabama offense has anything at quarterback, tailback, and receiver that resemble past additions of the Alabama offense, which, again, still makes them better than everybody else, but they're just not the best version of what they've been, which you would think with A&M's defense would give them a chance to slow them down some. So, and the home crowd, that's one of the great environments. But, I mean, I don't know if A&M's going to score. That's the problem here. And that's on Jimbo Fisher, right? He's the OC. They do have an OC entitled the old uh, the old North Texas coach. But, I mean, it's Jimbo's deal. It's Jimbo's quarterback deal. It's Jimbo's recruits. And those that, that has not come to fruition. The way that has come to fruition should be disappointing to Texas A&M fans when you, uh, when you, when you look at this season. And there's certainly going forward going to be some ambiguity on wh- who they are offensively and why that side of the ball just hasn't been better developed when you look at how Jimbo Fisher's raised that program. I think one of their problems is uh, they are a tough watch, right? It is. I watch something yeah. like offensively. Like yeah, they're, they're just brutal. frustrating to watch. And and that doesn't help. It's kind of funny. It's like, would you rather be just a, a, a brutally bad team to watch? Or if we're going to go to another coach that's, un, you know, has some people growling, which again, I don't think will get fired at all. But like Dan Mullen at Florida, where you're like, boy, this team, this team has potential and we're committing 15 penalties. It's like, which level of frustration do you want when you hate your team? How, which way would you rather hate them? <laughs> <laughs> that should be like the subhead to our podcast. Right. <laughs> you hate you, At that point, you just hate your team. Do you hate them because they can't even snap the ball or when they snap the ball, it's just it's just awful to watch. And it's like, suck. <laughs> I don't know, but that's the debate. For it's somewhere in the South. A and M grad and Florida grad are having having lunch somewhere. Both bitter. I'd rather have your problems. One thing, it'll be a great crowd. But if you want to see a crowd turn, it's when 
people have paid an enormous amount of money for the hot ticket and paid enormous of overpriced amounts of money for their Airbnb. And they set up this big weekend and they brought clients, everybody, oh, it's the big weekend. We got to get in. Everything's, all the prices are jacked up and now you get killed. And do remember this quote, because I guarantee you one Nick Saban does. Quote, we're going to beat his ass when he's there. Don't worry. That was Jimbo last offseason. And Saban responded, in golf? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I don't care about that statement, but I bet you Nick Saban remembers that statement. So don't expect. And I mean, you know, like you said, you're getting fired. The dude's contract extension hasn't even begun. yeah, his, no. <laughs> he's, he's never getting fired. I mean, not, he he's not, certainly not this year getting fired. They owe him like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, they owe him about a hundred so. million dollars. Like, come on, fire me. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> fire me. I'll go to Miami, no. please. But this has been a this very disappointing start to the to what people thought was a big season for them. Yes. All right. Let's get to one more coaches that need to uh, Pat identified as coaches that are, have some questions. Uh, Paul Christ, the sweatshirt. He gave up oh. his sweatshirt, and it's shown. Get the sweatshirt back. <laughs> Come on, coach. When something's working, don't get rid of it. Key, I'll, I'll just I'll steal this from your column, but the guy went 56 and 14 to start his career in Madison. He won three Big Ten West championships. He was just Wisconsin to a T. He's now five and eight, including one and three this season. And again, that offense, hard watch. It's a tough watch. Do not fire Paul Christ. I'm not saying this should do it. Uh, that's not how Wisconsin operates, nor should it. But what does Paul Chris got to do to get this thing back in order? Pat, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, my God, you got to find some quarterback play. In a conference that is pretty underwhelming in terms of passing the ball, they're like the worst. Uh, They have the lowest efficiency rating. They have thrown three touchdown passes and eight interceptions. Yeah, when their quarterbacks aren't throwing picks, they're fumbling. Uh, The offensive line is terrible, too, and really with Wisconsin – you know, everything has always derived from the line. I mean, always. That's They run well behind it, and they throw off play action behind well, in well-protected pockets uh, in nice little conservative routes. But uh, when, when you can't do that, when you can't block for the run and then you can't protect the passer, holy moly, you're in trouble. And then we find out exactly how limited your quarterbacks are. So that's where they are. And that's... You know, you're in that situation like we've talked about, about offensive and defensive lines. If you don't have one on the roster, guess what? You can't really just whip one up. You can't just coach a guy up to all of a sudden make him better. And we all thought Graham Mertz was going to be better, but he's not. He is who he is at this point. And what he is is not very good. And they gave his backup Chase Wolf a shot, and he was not very good. So I don't know what you do other than, you you know, you try to – come up with you muddle through with game plans where you can you know play kind of like Iowa I guess low risk and and hope the other team makes mistakes and you score just enough to win a low scoring game now the schedule here's their you know their 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 chance their Illinois Army Purdue the next three weeks that gives them at least a shot to to circle the wagons a little bit then you've got Iowa and then after that it's not brutal either Rutgers Northwestern Nebraska Minnesota although Nebraska's getting better so they're you know you can still salvage a winning record out of this season but holy moly they have had as bad a four weeks as any highly touted team uh in the country and really any team I can remember in, in a while. I've made this point before on the pod about Wisconsin, and I've done it with Stanford or Michigan State under D'Antonio. They are a point-of-attack program. 
And when they are not dominating the point of attack on offense, they have no chance. And right now they have no chance. Here's what I want from Paul Christ. Don't make the same mistake that Scott Frost made that has gotten close to, although give him credit, they showed a little life uh, last couple of weeks. They went all in on a quarterback who was highly touted, played well early, and then regressed, right? That's the Adrian Martinez story. They Scott Frost just never deviated and never tried to upgrade at the quarterback position. And it ultimately, if he's fired this year, will be the, you know, Nebraska's $20 million mistake. Now, he made plenty of other mistakes, too. They certainly are disaster on special teams at Nebraska. There's a lot of other issues. But ultimately, if Graham Mertz emerges as the answer this year, it would be a shocking deviation from what he has shown as a collegiate quarterback, right? And if you're Wisconsin, what you can't do, especially with a pedestrian offensive line, especially they don't have a tailback. That's insulting to me that you can't recruit a better tailback at Wisconsin than anything they have right now. What you can't do is the definition of insanity and keep trotting out the same quarterback in the same system and hoping for different results. We'd have to see some significant, if if Wisconsin continues to sputter along here, I think we would have to see some distinct shifts from Christ. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mertz left for a new start somewhere else too. I mean, he's a, he is still, when you're a five-star man, you get a lot of second chances. Um, You get a lot of second chances. How many five-star basketball players, Pat, like were were not good college basketball players, but they still get drafted or they still, you know, sure. I mean, and that's look, I mean, look at Hunter Johnson in the same league as a guy who's gotten multiple chances without really being able to deliver on it. So somebody would certainly give him a shot. I'm sure. All right, let's get to a couple big games this weekend. Red River, not shootout. Remember, no longer calling yeah. it a shootout because we don't need anybody capping each other's asses down there. <laughs> Stealing their corn dog. Is it just a rivalry? Is it a showdown? What is it? I don't know. I, th- I think it's a Red River rivalry, but I, I whatever. It's a showdown with political correctness. And everyone whatever else. it is, OU Texas, big game. Texas showed incredible return in destroying Texas Tech and scoring 70 points. Arkansas loss doesn't look that bad. It ain't over for the Longhorns. Oklahoma has muddled about, but I will give them this. Excellent victory at Kansas State. They Mm -hmm. ran the ball, 131 yards rushing, 4.1 a carry that they weren't doing before. Uh, They had a ton of penalties in that game, but I'm not going to downplay winning at Kansas State because it isn't that easy. Uh, Sooners had not looked that good. This will probably decide... The Big 12. We'll see if Texas, that could be a rematch or whatever. Huge national implications because Oklahoma is still sitting there unbeaten. And as we as we peg this out, and especially with so many people assuming, for good reason, Georgia and Alabama are both going to make the playoff. If you just were, were to handicap it right now, there's only two spots left, and Oklahoma has an inside track at getting there. And so Cincinnati, the ACC champ, and the Pac-12 champ all have to be eyeballing this thing because one of the, the, the Big Ten's probably getting the other one. So... A lot can happen here. Uh, yeah, start with just with Oklahoma and the, the fact how, how great it is to be Oklahoma from a pollster standpoint and previously from a college football playoff standpoint because it doesn't matter whether you show jack, you're still going to be ranked <laughs> high as long as you muddle your way to unimpressive victories. I mean, for them to be ranked fifth in the coaches' poll, sixth in the media poll is astounding. What have they done that's impressed anybody? The best thing they did was to go to Manhattan and beat a Kansas State team that had beaten them the previous two years. They beat Kansas State by six. Woohoo! They beat Tulane by five, and Tulane has lost by like four million points to everyone else on the FBS level. 
They smuddled past Nebraska. Again, Nebraska is getting better. But, I mean, for them to be ranked sixth just says we have a brand name and we were already ranked highly at the beginning and nobody can change their mind because there's no flexibility in the voters' mind. So congratulations to them. Texas has rebounded, regrouped, played better after the just getting punked at uh, Arkansas. Uh, Casey Thompson's been better, although he wasn't great against TCU at, at QB. You know, I looked it up. I think it's 11 of the last 12 years Texas has covered the spread in this game. Texas gets up for this game historically. We'll see if Sark can do what Tom Herman and Charlie Strong and even Mac Brown in his later years did, which was to get them really sky high and play their best game against Oklahoma. Uh, and we'll see if Oklahoma can continue to defy gravity and be inflated uh, in the rankings no matter what they do. Yeah, I thought Pat had a, uh, a great point in the dash that uh, Oklahoma State, which is ranked 12th in, in 5-0 and and certainly doesn't have any like unbelievable wins, but have probably been better than Oklahoma. Yeah, but Oklahoma is just uh, just kind of sputtering around in the penthouse and nobody's nobody's skeptical enough to move them down at all. I think this is a fascinating, uh, a fascinating Red River just for, for the fact that I don't know how far ahead of Texas, Oklahoma is. The perception when when Lincoln Riley was there and, and they're going to play off and, and, and Tom Herman was having nice moments chasing his tail at some moments. The perception was Oklahoma was that far away on the field. It never felt that far. Last year's game didn't go to like seven overtimes. It wasn't. Really yeah, seven, it was like four. It, yeah. it felt like seven because it was a terribly played game. But <laughs> the, you know the 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 point was that the what the reality of how far apart those two programs were maybe didn't marry with uh, with the perception. And so this is Sark's first chance. They're not going to get blown off the line by Oklahoma in the same way they got blown off the line in Arkansas. They're not going to get overwhelmed by the environment in the same way they got that happened at Arkansas. They're going to have better quarterback play for four quarters than they had at Arkansas. So I will be curious. And I think Texas is going to have the best player on the field. I think Bajan Robinson is the the most dynamic player in this, uh, in this football game. So whether Texas can take advantage of the moment in the environment, we'll see, but I think it will be a heck of a game as it has been in, in a bunch of recent years. All right. Quick, quick uh, game of, would you eat it? This is a, <laughs> no. a old <laughs> oh, podcast. Yeah. Demo. A podcast staple. Texas yes. State Pat Fair. says yes, I say no. That's really how Pretty we Pretty much what it is. Kale. <laughs> Just plain kale, organic. Uh, would you eat it? These are foods that are at the Texas State Fair, which is where the Oklahoma-Texas game is played. Would you eat it? A lobster corn dog. Oh. This unique oh. one awesome. of a kind. What are you talking about? Hold like, on. What? A unique one Why are you doing that to the lobster? Why not? Yes. <laughs> Let me explain it. We take a lobster cake. That alone is bad. You don't mess with <laughs> lobster and turn it into a cake. Lobster right. cake, bread it, baste it in the freshest corn batter, butter, bat, corn bread batter. Then we deep fry it and serve it with a fresh remoulade for dipping. <laughs> Pat Forty, would you eat it? You know, on principle alone of turning a lobster into a lobster cake and then battering it and frying it, no. On principle. You're at a and, state fair, Pat. What are you just turning your nose it up at, at these foods? Come on. See, Sully is the guy that will say yes to eating everything. Yes. Sully will I, eat I'm anything. I'm a walking garbage dump. Yeah. Yeah. I'm eating it, and I'm eating it oh. because I'm probably not going to eat anything else, and so I don't want to be the guy who goes home hungry. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just gamble ahead here 
and figure I'm going to say no to everything else. I'm going to eat the lobster cake. I love lobster. Who doesn't like lobster? And Sully, you're down for everything? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. put me yeah. as yeah. you Just, right. Yeah, check Sully for everything. All right. How about the PB&J bacon pickle dog? Oh, yeah. I'm Explanation? all over that. Explanation. No. A large, crispy, crunchy dill pickle rolled in a quote-unquote special batter. Uh, it must be secret. Deep fried, served on a hot dog style sweet Hawaiian bun, drizzled with peanut butter and topped with bacon jam. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about that. Absolutely. First of all, have yourself a peanut butter and pickle sandwich sometime and thank me later. It's good. Now you throw bacon jam in there too? <laughs> I'm all about it. Hell yes. My cardiologist would thank you later. No, thanks. <laughs> I'm no on both of these, by the way. Trying yeah, too hard. They, They're trying also, too hard. Dan's getting it, finicky all of a sudden. Bacon Dan, it wouldn't jam. be a segment if they weren't trying hard. Dan introduces like, the bit and then undercuts the spirit of the yeah, bit. Just, just like, like a hot, hot dog, dog or bratwurst, yes, we don't yes. got a bit. <laughs> all right, I grant you that. Can I just this get some, some Wonder Bread, please? Some Wonder <laughs> Bread. They, they lost me with the bacon jam. Oh, no. I'm all about yeah, it. The, I, it's just one too many. A pickle? Really? Peanut butter mm. and pickle? The pickle. Oh, yeah. I love pickles. I love peanut butter. I like fried things, but just no. No, yeah. no, no. Put them all together, man. Chicken fried bacon. Chicken fried bacon. Thick slabs of sliced bacon dipped in southern chicken batter and deep fried with a side of ranch dressing for dipping. And I'm just going to say this right now. Hell yes. And why <laughs> wasn't this a thing before? Yeah, mm. right? Why am chicken I fried first hearing bacon, about this? Chicken fried bacon should have been around since like the 1950s when they're making chicken fried chicken and chicken fried steak and everything else. Well, who didn't think to chicken fry the bacon? I have a bone to pick with the ranch, though. Give me some white gravy and then we're all in. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm man. not crazy about the ranch. I, I, I agree with you there. Don't need it. Yeah. yeah. Trying too hard. They're I, trying too hard. Of course I'm going to have bacon. I mean, I may be like the, 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 the pretend healthy guy on this pod, but it's like bacon. I mean, come on. Texas fried pecan. Right? I'm saying it the right way. Not pecan. Yeah. yeah, pecan. I'm saying it like a Texan. Texas fried pecan pie. Miniature whole pecan pies dipped in seasonal funnel cake batter. Oh, seasoned. I was going to say seasonal. <laughs> I, I like seasonal. <laughs> like I like my the, spring my spring funnel cake batter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, no, you got to have the pumpkin in there yeah. for the fall. Uh, seasoned <laughs> funnel cake batter, deep fried and served hot with a dollop of extra creamy whipping cream. Yeah, I'm not a big sweet eater, but I'd, I'd be down for that for sure. Give me that. They do pecans well in uh, Texas. I mean, it sounds pretty, sounds pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Pat, and I'm no Sully's in on that. Last Sully's one, down would, for, for chicken fried possum, if you ask him. <laughs> would, you, would you eat it? Deep fried potato salad. Mm. Homemade potato salad with all the fixings shaped in balls, dipped in flour batter, and deep fried to golden brown perfection. Sounds awesome. Deep- <laughs> and that just sounds like disgusting. Like, I would rather prison food than that. <laughs> is it mustard or mayonnaise based? That's the question. Salad? That is That's huge the question. question. I'm not touching that mayonnaise. <laughs> no, I'm a no. Big mayo. It's like big mayo meets McDonald's. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you had another mayo uh, interlude on the last pod. So there. Yeah. Did you listen to the last pod, Pat? No. 
but I heard about them. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I would have been really impressed. I'm sure the people who actually do listen really take joy that you don't even bother to. Our, one of our three hosts doesn't actually listen. <laughs> Monday was a bad day. It's always a bad day. I'll get to it eventually. That's what the off season's for. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to listen to our week four podcast you know, <laughs> sometime in April. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to settle in and be like, I wonder what Pete and Dan had to say about. I don't even remember who played last week. Never mind. In April. All right. Big game. Penn State visiting Iowa. First time since I believe 1962. There is a top five matchup in the Big Ten that doesn't feature either Ohio State or Michigan. Obviously, those two have played as top fives, but you also could have Ohio State, Penn State, or or Michigan and I, whatever it is. Two top five teams, neither Michigan or Ohio State. They're playing in Iowa City. Look, Iowa gets by this one, and it's it's it, they're in nice shape. Wisconsin doesn't look like Wisconsin. Nebraska's showing some fight, but whatever. Uh, Penn State still got a gauntlet to go. Uh, they still have Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. So. Uh, thoughts on this game uh, quickly, uh, Pete? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a heck of a football game. And uh, as we talked about on the last pod, I'll just update Pat because he didn't hear it. Um, the uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm excited to see Kinnick in this uh, in this moment. And uh, I think this isn't some like scrappy underrated Iowa team. I think they're I think they're very good. I think they're very talented. They have fought their way into this national title conversation, and I think they will belong. And uh, this game is going to go down the last play. I think Iowa figures out a way to win, but I really am uh, excited for the moment and excited to see if uh, Iowa can continue to rise up and meet it. I think it's kind of a scrappy, overrated Iowa team. I, I, I just they, 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 it is, they are so much driven by turnover margin, and maybe that they continue to just take the ball away from people or have, just so, say to the opposition, here, just give it to us, and the opposition says, okay, I will. Seven times like Maryland did, uh, four times like Iowa State did, three times like Indiana did. The one team that didn't give them the ball very often, Colorado State was leading them in the second half, and Colorado State is terrible so i look I, I i i applaud iowa for what they have done in terms of being super resourceful field position kings you know they 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 play very good defense they're opportunistic they're great in the kicking game uh they score in other ways but if you make them drive the field on offense i don't think they get there especially against a good penn state defense i, I think this is heading towards a classic you know, like 17, 14 kind of field position, punt, 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 which team makes a mistake situation. So I'll be there. It's my first trip ever to Iowa City. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm do looking forward to it. Do the wave. All right. I will. Uh, I will do the wave. Uh, very interesting game to me on playoff implications because Iowa gets that. They're, they're probably going to win the West. And so this could be a rematch uh, or whatever. And the, the East is going to be a, just an absolute dogfight the rest of the way. Uh, with four four really good unbeaten teams right now. So very, very interesting. It's going to be an awesome day uh, in Iowa City. Try the water, Pat. Let us know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've heard from these these charlatans out in Ames. <laughs> that Ames is the place to be, and then all of them moved. So we're very upset about that. But Iowa City put them in their place. 
and uh, here we are. All right, I got a people's court. I met. Uh, can I just interject quick? Yeah, I met a uh, young reporter in the BC press box at the Missouri game, not Pat's son, another young reporter who was uh, on the trip that went to Ames to sample the water oh. just to send it to the podcast. Uh, awesome. Andy Backstrom's his name. He covers BC for the uh, rival site. And uh, yeah, I was uh, I was like, so how was it? He was like, it's good water. I was like, all right. <laughs> I, was all, I was all fired up. I was, I was irrationally excited to get an in-person Ames tap report. Love it. Love it. All right. I have a people's court here. And I'll just warn, uh, look, because we talked about Urban Meyer, this thing was PG-13. Uh, this is going next level. Uh, no. So if you're, yeah, I don't know what to say. This is the law. This is the law. I can't. I don't make the cases. <laughs> so what we have here is a, uh, a woman in uh, Jackson County, Kansas, which is a uh, rather rural stretch of land outside of Topeka. And uh, she is suing Geico. The, uh, the auto insurance company, uh, insurance of a lot of things, I'm sure, but the auto insurance company, and this is the situation. She, uh, her, her initials are M.O. Uh, M.O. was uh, having, was dating someone named M.B. This is all in the court filings here. In uh, November and December of 2017, they, they were riding around in M.B.'s 2014 Hyundai Genesis, uh, big night out in Jackson County. Uh, that is insured by Geico, and uh, apparently they stopped and had uh, relations in the car. Okay, multiple times apparently over a two month period they were they were getting together in the Hyundai. Okay, and um, MB gave MO an STD. If we're going to uh -oh. give the letters, yeah. Uh, M.O. got an STD from M.B. in the Hyundai. I didn't think we were going this turn with this, by the oh, way. We're that, going. That, 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 we're going there. <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear how, how Geico's on the hook for this, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> the woman is suing Geico, saying that they are responsible for this STD because they insured the car. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There, Scoop, is, there a, it is. A lot. <laughs> I want to use the Geico Gecko on this one. <laughs> United States District Court for the District of Kansas, M-O-N-N-B, defendants and counterclaimant against Geico General Insurance Company. There is an actual federal lawsuit over this. Uh, she is saying that uh, she's, she's suing M-B, the guy, for negligence and negligent infliction of emotional distress. He didn't seem to tell her that... Uh, there's a all uh, there's a counterclaim that this might not have been this woman's only partner. It gets it gets juicy if you want to look up this case. Let me tell you, it's uh, uh it's, oh. it's out there. So here's the uh, people's court for you, esteemed gentlemen. Should Geico be on the hook for this? Uh, they do insure the car, and something not good happened in the car. <laughs> Justice forty. Uh, this may be the wildest people's court we've ever had. It we've might had be. A few. And I am usually enthusiastic about jumping to the most ludicrous side, but I can't in this one. I am sorry. I have to side with Geico, mostly because I don't want them to lose all their money and not be able to do their commercials, some of which are very funny, including the scoop there it is commercial. So uh, I, I just think it's a pretty hard claim to say that you contracted this STD because of the car, because of an insurance company that... Uh, insured the car so sorry lady you are out i'm afraid to make a joke about this and get fired so <laughs> 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 i 
so I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Pat. Concur. You know, you know the the people's court is ludicrous when we can't even come up with a ludicrous like <laughs> response to it because it's too risque. So I will just I will just uh, I will just say that I would like to I would like the local paper in Topeka or whatever city it was in Kansas to profile the lawyer that took this case. Like I <laughs> yes, want you to go right. knock on that guy's office door and say, all right. When you actually filed this case, what was going through your mind? Yeah, like, right. like, remember Dr. Nick from The Simpsons went to Hollywood Upstairs Medical College? It was just like, you know, like, is there about, yeah. Like, where did that lawyer go to school? That's what I want to know. Like, where, where in his training did he say, you know, I think we're going to give this a gander. I think we can we take this, get this one to the finish line. Uh, it's, it's out there. Uh, I don't know. Um, French vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. I'm, I'm going with the... Uh, <laughs> I'm Don't say anything Geico. else. <laughs> I'm going with Geico. I mean, come on now. I know it gets romantic out there on the streets and the, the dirt roads of Jackson County, Kansas. You can't be blaming Geico for what happens when the car stops safely in some rain ditch. <laughs> If, if we came up with like a running bit, like small sample Heisman on like a dunderheaded coach move of the week, like Pat has like the, uh, the, the coach who deserves his comp car taken away in the <laughs> yeah. dash, we should call it the blame Geico coach moment of the week, really you know, <laughs> like that, like the guy that kicks the field goal down four in the last minute or something like that. Yeah. Just play, play Geico for that. Like it's Geico's fault. Clearly. They, I, I gotta, they said they protect you from everything. They don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. All right. All right, this podcast has to stop before we get to even more out of hand. That's cause we're going to pick these games later in the week. Race for the case. Thank you for listening. Subscribe if you're not horrified at this point. Uh, I can say this. We, no other college football podcast touches the issues that we did. That we did. We are here for you. We'll go uncomfortable. We will go uncomfortable for you. Keep sharing us on social media and send us absurd stories like this one. I can't find these. I don't. I don't comb the uh, federal magistrate down there in, in Kansas for uh, the, the court docs. So here we go. Talk to you later. <laughs>